You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 326, we're discussing Jurassic World, Dominion, Sandman, and Black Adam. I'm on your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. Man, I gotta tell you something. I'm just stepping back a little bit and doing the bird's eye view of what we got going on in Nerd right now, Carlos. Not only are we on the threshold, the doorstep of Jurassic World, Dominion coming out this week... We've also got an episode of Obi-Wan, an episode of Miss Marvel, a Black Adam trailer, a Sandman trailer, reveals around an I Am Groot show that's coming out in August. Stranger Things is currently up and being binged right now. A whole slew of DC news, and that is just this week, man. It's absolutely insane in the world of nerd right now. Yeah, it's been nuts. Like it's it's almost like convention time where there's so much coming at you that you you've got to be glued to your computer at all times trying to soak it all up, not want to miss it, anything. It, it truly is. It feels like an SDCC weekend where you get so lost because there's so much going on, you can't keep track of it. And we just came off an absolutely an enormous weekend in and around Star Wars, and here we are a week or two removed. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff to talk about in all of the franchises and the beyond with Jurassic World Dominion. So excited for this. It is here. Well, it will be here as this episode drops. And just so much more. We're going to talk about the Sandman trailer. We're going to do a little edit in of a Black Adam reaction to that trailer that is dropping on Wednesday. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is bringing it. There's so much to talk about, man. But I I can't. I'm just too excited. We got to get into it. We got to get over too. This week in Nerd. Here it is, everyone. It is This Week in Nerd, where we talk about the latest and the greatest from the world of Nerd. Now, from the top of the episode, just a 30 seconds ago, I rattled off a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to get into this week, of course, in our rapid delivery format. And the first thing we got to talk about here, Carlos, is Jurassic World Dominion. This is kind of snuck up on me a little bit to be honest. It, it's it been chaotic in my life. There's a lot going on. And I turned to my wife and I said, oh my, this weekend, I have to go see Jurassic World Dominion at least twice. And I'm not a multi-time theatrical viewing experience type of guy, but I'm so excited for this. Not only for the original cast, the dinosaurs, the world cast, but just this franchise being back in my life in such a significant way. Not only collecting, but we also found out that we're also both reading the or listening to the Jurassic Park Michael Crichton book on Audible in preparation for this experience into Jurassic World. And I forgot. It's been like two decades since I read this book. I forgot how good it is. It's so good. Well, yeah. And I forgot how different mm-hmm. the book plays out from the movie and just how many extra layers it has on top of it. And there's characters that play a pretty significant role that we've never met in live action and all sorts of different dynamics that play out so it was kind of like i've i've been really enjoying going back to it and just also seeing kind of the mindset and what their take on the science was yeah um when this thing was first theorized and then 
coming back to it through the through the lens of the film and whatnot. Yeah, it's been kind of neat. How far into the book are you? Uh, I'm about three quarters of the way done. I got about three hours left in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're a bit further ahead than I am. I'm kind of just post-Rex attack and okay. the kids are back together with Grant and stuff. So I think it's over halfway when mm. when that plays out. But uh... I'd recommend it, guys. Get out there and listen to that because... The thing that I've loved actually re-experiencing it is some of the most significant lines in the film are pulled straight out of that book. And there's pieces and the DNA of that book is spread out across the first three movies as well Mm -hmm. with significant set pieces pulled directly out of this. It's in the third film, in the second film, like all the compy stuff and all that. Like there is so much that this book actually seeds for all three movies and then that carries on of course into the world franchise as well yeah it's been cool it's been cool to like just be soaking up this wrap up to Mm -hmm. jurassic world dominion like hit the grocery store on monday and came back (laughs) with like half a dozen boxes of cereal just because they had the dinosaurs plastered all over them and and it was just cool and yeah like so nonsensical but it just brings so much joy to my youngest daughter that Mm -hmm. um how can I not? And we've been going through that prehistoric planet on Apple TV yes. Plus and watching all the special features from that. And the movies are on in the background all the time. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to be able to see this final installment in the Jurassic Saga and, you know, see what hints they have as to what's coming next because there's no way that they're putting the dinosaurs on the shelf. They um, are not. Absolutely not. Apple jumped on that train with prehistoric planet and... And the toys and Mattel's doing a great job putting the the toys out there. And I've seen a lot of people collecting those. And there's this great atmosphere around the fandom as well, building into Jurassic World Dominion. And I'm excited to see where they take it. I think this is going to be a nice capper to at least the original trilogy and this world trilogy and where they go to next. I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm excited to see with Camp Cretaceous seeding things. And like you said, there's no way this franchise is, is ending. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like it's going to be that nice piece to cap off what started in 93 in the films and even in the late 80s with the books and potentially pivoting and doing something completely different in the future. Yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Cretaceous World in uh, yeah, three years that's exactly or, what I was thinking. <laughs> or whatever it is. But yeah, it sounds like they're really treating this as a definitive closing to mm-hmm. what they've had on deck so far and... Yeah, I don't know. I just I just love the Jurassic stuff and you know, it's an indelible part of pop culture now. So the yeah. Rex is yeah. right there shoulder to shoulder with Darth Vader and whatever else you want. So certainly is. And we'll be reviewing that at least in part of the episode next week, if not the whole episode, as we both have plans to see it this weekend. And I know there's no way you're missing it because your your youngest is gonna be dragging you there in between uh dad Ubers. Oh yeah, no, it was it was ridiculous. Like we we had to move heaven and earth to be able to carve out that little window within the the first two days. Had tickets on that Thursday and had to get them changed up for tickets on the Friday. And but we'll be there. We'll be there for sure. She she left the rest of the family behind because they couldn't make it. And yeah, there was nothing getting between her and her dinos. So amazing, man. Love it. Multi generational film here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. So you tell me that uh, there's some things happening in DC this weekend or this today even. It's big build up. So lay it on me, man. 
just today. So, you know, we'll start with some of the stuff that came over the course of the week. And so uh, Variety and a few other places has been talking about the restructuring at Warner Brothers and where they're going. And it sounds like they're going to position themselves to be a little more akin to how Disney is set up with their various silos for their movie studios. And so uh, Warner Brothers Animation is going to be sitting on its own and Michael DeLuca and um, another lady uh, with the surname of Abdi uh, are going to be taking on the Warner Brothers and New Line um, main film studios. Toby Emmerich is stepping down and he's going to be in a production role having signed a big first look deal with Warner Brothers and DC Films is going to be its own studio going forward and the rumbling is is that uh, David Zaslav is on the hunt for their version of what a Kevin Feige is going to be I think it'll be more of a brand manager as opposed to Mm -hmm. a kind of boots on the ground creative person like Kevin is but um yeah, it seems like it's all positive in that they've kind of coco-bonked a few things that they don't think would be lucrative, and it sounds like he really wants them to increase the output of what DC is doing. And yeah, I, I personally don't know how I feel about that because I really like where they've been at since kind of 2018 with what they've been putting out and that you know we've had things like the Joker and the Batman uh come about because of it peacemaker and the suicide squad which i don't think we would have had um had they been all systems go from where they started so i I think they learned some hard lessons and ended up giving us some special projects but uh yeah i think it's kind of cool and uh mr zaslav keeps talking about superman being a hot button uh topic that they need to get on top of and that he's a bit of a focus and there was rumblings that they feel that they need to scrap everything that they have in the hopper and put all their focus on getting a killer Henry Cavill-led Superman project out. So we'll see what happens there. Variety caused a lot of hand-wringing today when they were, you know, putting some commentary for saying that he might be aged out of the role. But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. He he doesn't look like he's going to be shrinking anytime soon, so... (laughs) <laughs> absolutely not and they got all that technology too that they can just brush over people's faces to make them look younger man they could make me look like a 25 year old definitely don't look 25 anymore <laughs> yeah so there's lots of options and i'm curious to, and excited honestly to see where they go uh, but like i said i do kind of like where they're at now so i hope that they don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. but we'll see what happens mm-hmm. Yeah, and like ultimately, like you said, as a brand manager and as having a little bit more autonomy to explore their IP because it's it's such a deep and dense IP that they've never really taken full advantage of with the Batman being a huge focus in the 80s, late 80s through the 90s and Superman in the earlier part of the inception of DC film and then the attempt at the DC Extended Universe. It just feels it's never really got going up until the last two years or so where they're exploring, they're doing different things, they're doing siloed projects like the Joker and the Batman. And you don't want them to get into that that sausage factory type of like, let's hammer these things out, let's formulate. Because they've been kind of the, like I love the MCU, but DC's been the nice antithesis to that. 
Yeah, and if you keep doing the same thing that Disney's doing, everybody's going to get burnt out on what both studios are doing, right? So mm-hmm. variety's the spice of life, and as long as you're not making Morbius, I think you are in a su- position where you could have some success. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I don't. I, I we're gonna stand this DC train here for a minute. I, I do want to go back to you on this one because there's there's a trailer that pops across my my eyeballs this week, and it was the Sandman trailer. And the last time I saw some images or some footage from this was DC Phantom two years ago, correct? Or was it last year's DC Phantom that we got that first look trailer at Sandman, or at least a teaser um, for this Netflix original is dropping here in August, the early part of August, August 5th. Yeah, it was last year. The fandom before you're thinking about that was the release of the audio book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's what they did so, for Sandman on that one. So talk to me a bit about this. You've talked about the audio book and, and your love for all of it. And I watched this trailer and I was, I was pretty taken aback by the visuals and the scale of it. It's way bigger than I thought it was going to be for this this Netflix original. It seems that they've they've really put the effort into developing the story. And I'm not familiar with really any of it, mm-hmm. but it's one of these trailers that it's kind of like the Elvis trailer. Wasn't expecting it. Don't know much about it. It kind of hits you in the face. and You're like, wow, I, I have to watch this yeah man and i'm so happy to hear that you had that reaction like honestly for me like i'm a bit of a sandman super fan like i've read the entire series back to front at least twice and yeah listened to both um seasons of the audiobook and in quite uh a a focused fashion kind of thing just zoning out and just sitting on my deck listening to it or going on these ridiculously long walks <laughs> hoping that my legs don't <laughs> give out before I can make it home just immersed in that world so yeah I didn't know quite what to expect with the show but uh, all the things that Neil Gaiman had said about the development of the series and he's been fundamentally involved in it and just seeing things that existed only in the back of his head and then were brought to the page uh, with his artists and then seeing them in three dimensions in front of him being really surreal made me really hopeful. And then he had talked about the performances and then I see this trailer and man, like I am not one to get emotional over these types of things. And I, I got a little verklempt, I got to say, cause they just nailed it. Like the heart and the spirit and the soul of the Sandman was like right there. And even like they have castings where they've changed what were male characters in the book to females or white characters to black actors and actresses. And it just worked like the people that they brought in absolutely capture the heart and the spirit of the characters and it just fits and it is wonderful and perfect. And man, I had high hopes for this trailer and it just blew them all away. Like, I cannot wait for you and my wife and other people that just know about the Sandman over me talking about this abstract thing all the time to actually mm-hmm. experience it. Cause <laughs> it's like, it's just the coolest thing. And the lore is so dense and there's so many different ways that you can go with it. And it, just the energy that the characters have, it was like, that is the exact kind of emotions that were coming off the page from these characters. Like there's just a quick shot of Sandman and his sister death walking. And it was like that, that is how those characters interact. That is perfect. And him talking to Lucian, who's his uh, kind of 
uh, housekeeper, if you will, for the realm of the dreaming and the the lady that they have in the part she w- was just the perfect lucian and oh it was just it, everything got me excited even just seeing a silhouette of a crow i'm like ah freaking matthew awesome i can't wait <laughs> like <laughs> is it is it a tv show or is it a or a bingeable show or is it a movie it's going to be a tv show and so yeah okay. dc tv like warner brothers television is making it for netflix kind of the same deal that they have with Ted Lasso for on Apple TV plus. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it sounds like Netflix to go back to our JP conversation spared no expense with this one. There's rumblings that it's their most expensive project of all time. You can and see it. Yeah. And this is what they kind of positioned to be their answer to Amazon's Lord of the Rings. So oh, cool. Yeah. We'll see what happens, but man, I'm, I'm crazy excited. Like I, I was hopeful, like I'd heard all the right things and then just seeing this, it, 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 yeah, it did things to me, man. It Mm. really did things to me. I can see that. I can see that. And like, like you said, the, I think the thing that really captured me, like I said at the top there was the scale of it all. Like when you're in the dream world, it feels big. It Mm -hmm. looks good. Right. Cause I think having, again, no experience with any of this, I think for me, that that has to land that piece of it and it has to look good and this trailer gave me every reason to think it's going to be there so yeah i'm I'm equally as excited maybe not equally as excited because (laughs) of the investment level but it's becoming one of these things that has been so far off my radar that i'm like wow okay this this is catching my attention i'm like august it's it's coming man like we're only a couple months out from this yeah and you know what like Proof is in the pudding with Netflix doing the DC Vertigo stuff because they just crushed it with Sweet Tooth. So mm-hmm. oh, f- if if so they were crazy. able to nail that as well as they did, then yeah, I'm sure that they know they can't miss with Sandman. It's mm-hmm. kind of like we'll talk about with Black Adam later. It's just like you can't talk about that movie the way you've talked about it and then throw up an egg. So yeah, um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But man. Staying on this DC train, I got to hit you with this one because I don't think you know about this news because it just dropped a couple hours ago. But Todd Phillips shared an image of the script from The Joker 2, which no. is called Joker Folie 2, which I guess is a rare delusional disorder shared by two or more people with close emotional ties is what Folie 2 means. So... He shared a tease of the front page of the script, uh, which had a red cover page and whatnot with that title on it. And then a little while later, he shared a picture of Joaquin Phoenix sitting there smoking a dart, reading that script. So Joker 2 is a thing coming from Mr. Todd Phillips. I I honestly don't know how I feel about this one. Like I, uh, I loved, loved, loved Joker. Um, and we all did to the point that we had like a special review episode at my mm-hmm. house, um, yeah. just to kind of mark the occasion. But uh, it it just felt so perfect as a single entity. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, but it's interesting. Like even in my house, like my one daughter is like a Joker super fan, one of her favorite movies, and my other one detests it. Is like that is the worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen. So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts now that this is something that kind of went from the realm of speculation to being real and in progress, I guess. Well, it's one of those things that when you say it out loud, I still don't or haven't really grasped the idea that it's real. 
because I like you thought that the ending of the Joker was perfectly ambiguous. And the best part of our review of that, that you mean Troy sat down and did is we finished the review and we go to talk about the ending and we all had a different idea of what the ending was. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if they just ignore some of that and just tell a story and not really have it be a true quote unquote sequel to the Joker. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, that could be the magic And it's just magic like, it's approach. potentially another delusional run of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. And that there's not much dependence or continuity in between the two films. Maybe the look, maybe a character, or maybe you have a character return that's playing someone very different. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. you build that whole allure that this might be in his head. It might not be. Is it real? Is it actually a sequel? Is it not? Like, that I want them to play with that, like to have him then pick up and say, now he's a crime boss. He's escaped and he becomes like the true Joker of like a DC world. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't want. Like, sure, I'm sure Todd Phillips will do great, but I think the thing that made Joker special was that it was different. It, it, it made you think. It showed an origin of a character that didn't necessarily depend on having the Batman around at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm curious. So if they some pull of those threads those would be thread. interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I'm curious if they pull on any of those threads that they seeded in that first movie with having the Joker indirectly responsible for the death of the Waynes, right? Where mm-hmm. he's inspired the chaos that ended up uh, killing Thomas and Martha and that we have a Thomas and Martha that are, were not at all as altruistic as they're typically portrayed as being. So, yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see what they bring. Uh, I think Todd Phillips is an immensely gifted writer and director. So, yeah, well, I guess. And I just... think he knows what the first movie was, right? And the importance of the first movie. And so for him to spin it on his head and take it in a direction that doesn't make sense in the context of that movie, I'd be really surprised if that happens. Like, it's a billion-dollar movie. It doesn't surprise me that either side wants to continue the story. Mm-hmm. But I think Todd Phillips likely had a caveat that it had to be the right story. It had to be told in a certain way. And my guess is they're going to give him that freedom. Yeah, and I think the thing that gives me hope is that Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips are both artists. And I think if there wasn't a true vision for this project especially like uh, Todd Phillips and where he's at with his work now and certainly Joaquin Phoenix with everything he does. If there wasn't a vision and there wasn't an artistic merit to doing a sequel, I don't think that they would both be involved. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Like the the money might have wooed a guy like Todd Phillips, but Joaquin Phoenix doesn't seem like the type of guy to, to get no. pulled by money, right? So... Well, and it starts to build this, like we're talking just before there about this DC Studios and it building itself up and what is it going to be in the future. But one of the things that maybe they need to hold on to when I think back about what Todd Phillips, Mocking Phoenix are bringing here, what James Gunn has brought to the table, what Dwayne The Rock Johnson is bringing to the table with Black Adam. These are personal projects, mm-hmm. right? These aren't script, director, big name actor, execute, big screen. These are investment, like personal investments. And that's something that DC has done really well. Even Patty Jenkins with Wonder Woman, the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
right? There, there's a personal investment in telling a story. And I'm not saying that other directors and other creatives aren't doing that, but DC seems to be, or at least have hired people that are in a space where they've come to them almost and said, I have an idea, I have a story, let's try this. And you've gotten some of your, your greatest content out of it. Yeah, well, yeah, look no further than just a couple months ago with Matt Reeves and the Batman, right? Yeah. Like, that, that it showed me somebody who knew that that was the direction that they were going with that movie and that take on the Riddler and everything mm-hmm. else, and I'll show you a liar because that was just a bit of a passion project for that guy. Yeah. And yeah, it had the weirdest Genesis ever, but he just crushed it. So yeah, if we can get stuff like that, like I, I don't mind waiting a little while between movies and, you know, seeing what they can cook up when it comes from a place of passion and, you know, and on the opposite end of the spectrum, James Gunn and the suicide squad, like I freaking adore that movie and it's just Mm. bonkers. And it's a bunch of convicts that end up fighting a cosmic giant starfish at the end, but it just works in spades. So crazy on paper absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah and that they let him make that movie that's that is wonderful stuff so yeah i'm i'm pretty excited man and you know to piggyback on the excitement of things word is is that the flash had test screenings mm-hmm. and they reported on them because the exact phrase that they used was that it tested extraordinarily well not just well not just positively but extraordinarily well and by all accounts, like Ezra Miller kills it in the movie and that he's very much uh, the main character and that it's their story from beginning to end. But of no surprise, Michael Keaton's Batman mm. just steals the show like in every way possible from everything I've heard is that they deliver the goods and leave you very much wanting more by the by the end of the film so yeah i'm i'm pretty excited about that and you know just a bit of pr work and i think we could have a pretty magical summer oh man well when's the flash coming it comes out next year right yeah june 23rd 2023 so yeah so we get a little bit of a wait but the thing with it testing well right now is that that gives them the confidence and momentum to start to build, right? Mm-hmm. Build this universe with Keaton, build this universe or whatever they're turning the, what was before into what is now and it being spearheaded by the likes of Dwayne Johnson and the Keaton Batman, the flash Aquaman, these gives them the confidence, right? To push forward mm-hmm. with a lot of these films that are in the hopper with the restructuring and hearing stuff like this, just, I think is going to boost the confidence level of the direction that they're going. And so maybe they don't deviate too far from it uh, going forward. Yeah. And like, given the time, like I, I think it's only a positive, like shore up the special effects and give your crisp. (laughs) Yeah. Give your people a bit of room to make sure that they can deliver the goods. And yeah, I I think it'll be awesome. So, and you know what, it ended up being a blessing in disguise that they had to push it because, you know, Ezra Miller had some issues and now they can kind of work on themselves and be better for when that whole press circuit and all that kind of stuff rolls around uh, in 2023. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Like I, I genuinely increased my hype level for that movie and um, it was already pretty high. 
<laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, if we're going to stick with the DC world, man, we got to talk a little bit about Black Adam, right? Because this this movie, we've been talking about it for a long time, comes out October 21st of this year. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, probably the biggest star in all of the world right now. He has made this his passion project, his absolute everything for the last couple of years. And to see it finally coming to fruition through DC fandom, that opening scene we got to we got to experience. And now we're getting a trailer. Now, we don't have the trailer in front of us right now. It's coming out Wednesday and we're recording Tuesday night. But we will. We are planning on sliding in a little bit of a reaction from both Carlos and I here. But before we do that, Carlos, talk to me about the buzz around Black Adam right now and how it is probably shoring up to be one of the most exciting films of 2022. And that's in a space where we're getting the Batman, Multiverse of Madness. We're off the heels of No Way Home. We're getting Thor Love and Thunder. And then everything else like Dominion and all, like all this craziness. The Black Adam is still standing, you know, shoulder to shoulder with some of the biggest franchises in the world right now. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's, and I look back and just thinking like, ah, oh, that's weird. I wonder if they'll be able to sell it. Like that was, that was yeah. my first thought years and years ago when this thing started gestating. But I think the, the, the indicator that this is something special is just how organic the hype is mm-hmm. for Black Adam. Like it literally started this morning with Uncle Todd revealing the action figures. And yeah. the two figures that he revealed were absolutely mind-blowing. At first, I thought it was a hot toy. And I was just like, holy smokes, this thing looks spectacular. And so people in our nerd circles are gushing about these action figures throughout the day. And then they drop a poster. And then DJ does this little golf cart roll-up thing where he's like, yep, yeah, it's officially a wrap and he's, he's wearing a like a bit of a robe, but you can see the Black Adam costume underneath. He's like, it's it's officially a wrap. We're all done. It's all signed, sealed, and delivered. And he's like, in the words of the man in black, toodaloo, MFR. And so <laughs> it just, you know, just with him dropping the F-bomb in his little Instagram video tells you that this is going to be something a bit different than we get in that kind of big blockbuster superhero space because the movie's not kind of that more art type film like Joker or the Batman. And it is going to be your big bombastic blockbuster, but he's just got a different vibe cooking. And then they drop a couple cool posters for the movie that ironically were very reminiscent of Henry Cavill's first man of steel Mm -hmm. poster. And yeah, that's not by accident. That's not by accident. Like the amount of, the amount of chirping that DJ has done to Superman himself. I, I, I honestly, if it if it it's a happy mistake if it was, but to me there's some symmetry there going on, mm-hmm. and and I like it. Yeah, and it seems like everybody's everybody's a, a buzz with this one. So yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's cool, and like they're dropping the trailer at an ideal time. So there's gonna be loads and loads and loads of eyeballs from your target audience watching this thing in front of Jurassic World Dominion, and then a couple weeks later in front of Elvis and then Thor love and thunder. So the ideal window to release your trailer, I'm sure all the projectionists are going to be happy to pull off the trailers for Nope. And what's the other one? Bullet train. Like I I've gone to a decent amount of movies and I, I can't absolute... watch bullet train. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I was so hyped the first time I saw that trailer. And now it's like, I'm watching you on streaming because I'm so tired of watching this trailer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, DJ brings a level of promo that is unmatched by any studio, let alone individual. And this project, like like you, I thought to myself, I'm in because it's DJ. But now I'm in because I'm intrigued by the story, what they're bringing to the table, the Justice Society, the tagline even on the posters, a world needed a hero and a got Black Adam. Like, these are, are all pointing in directions that may feel familiar, but my guess is we go in a very different direction inside of that film. And hell, even if it is a pretty blueprinty film, I still think it's going to bang, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's got a it's got a great release date that October 21st is where Dune did gangbuster business. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's got a pretty clear path and I, I kind of just love the vibe of it where it's like DC was this redheaded stepchild but and they, you know, took fairly or or unfairly a, a bunch of knocks for being too dark and and whatever have you and so now you have this character coming and he's like yeah i am gonna wear and own the black hat and uh we'll give you something that you've never seen before from anybody else so yeah it'll be cool it'll be cool i'm fascinated to see what this trailer brings tomorrow and kudos on them for hanging on to it for as long as they did you know mm-hmm. i imagine the pressure was on with fandom to show more footage and then with their uh the world needs heroes promo they were pretty um uh, pretty stingy with what they showed us thus far so yeah i'm i'm fascinated to see what we get and there's been a few outlets that have seen it and the word is from a few of their guys who aren't always the kindest with the dc stuff that the trailer is a banger so we'll see what happens Well, guys, we're going to slide in our reactions right here. Well, what can I say about finally getting to see that Black Adam trailer? Um, More than anything, I will say that it was extremely restrained with just kind of building on some of that imagery we saw from Fandome last year. But to be honest, I quite appreciate that. There's nothing worse than going into a movie and knowing exactly what the set pieces are going to be and seeing all the big showcases before you even sit down. So that was cool. Like the vibe, I think it's a good balance of being something conventionally accessible in the comic book space while having a bit of an edge to it and uh, it's definitely feels to be the vehicle that fits uh, our boy DJ so that's all thumbs up for me costumes look on point and I absolutely adored what they're doing with the Justice Society so this trailer worked it uh, got me excited for the movie and uh, I gotta say from my experience at the office with people who are definitely not uh, in the wool comic book fans getting stoked i think that warner brothers will have a hit and made a prudent choice by uh back in the rock so yeah can't wait to hear what tim thinks of it and uh, hopefully everybody else out there enjoyed it as well
All right, guys, quick one from me on this one. Black Adam looks absolutely fantastic. It's exactly what I want out of a trailer at this point in the promo campaign, building into October, giving us what we need, giving us that intrigue, that mystery, and also giving us some of those set pieces. My biggest ask from this film is that I want to lose Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I want to lose him as this global figure and see him as the character of Black Adam. And I'm seeing that from this trailer. That has to be the most exciting thing to me is that he is blending and melding into this character. He's not becoming or he's not still Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing the character of Black Adam. He is becoming something more, integrating more heavily into that. I think that's the aspect of it that that intrigues me the most. Seeing what they're doing with the Justice Society looks awesome. The trailer, the tone, the vibe, even the music on this all landed for me, all worked for me. I'm excited to see where they take Black Adam. I can't wait till October, and I can't wait to talk to the guys a bit more about this trailer. It kind of took my breath away at the start. I watched a couple more times, settled into it. It does feel somewhat familiar in some of the action beats, but I think there's elements of this, like I said in the podcast, that is going to really take us away and do something really different with this character. But I'm here for it all day. October can't come soon enough. DJ Black Adam, that trailer really worked for me. And we're going to welcome ourselves back to the show after those reactions. I can tell you right now, my hype level is going to be very high as we exit that trailer. So <laughs> excited, man. DC is is firing. It's It's got a lot of content coming at us, not only from the more siloed spaces, but from a... a construction sensor on their universe to send there's there's so much coming man dc dc you go back a couple years dc doesn't look like this at all but here we no. are man it, it's nuts right and it's uh, there's a lot of hand-wringing about plans and this and that but it's like you just look at how many movies we got this year mm-hmm. and you get a sandman show which is their property and that their studio is being paid for for airing and it's it's pretty special times and pretty diverse content too right like you crush spotify with the batman unburied podcast and yeah you've got sandman coming you got league of super pets in a couple weeks too and (laughs) the batman came and crushed and peacemaker lit the world on fire and got black adam and shazam in a bit so I don't know, man. Like Walter Amada, he deserves a nice steak dinner from Mr. Zaslav, in my opinion, at least. Sure does. <laughs> I think he's delivered the goods, personally. And it, we're happy to buy if you want to take us out, guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Expensive. We take you to nice Ruth, Ruth Chris here. You can come visit us in Calgary. We have a little chat about the DC mm-hmm. Universe, and maybe you can hire us as some brand guys. I don't know. You can do whatever you want, but we're happy to pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll pay, and you get some AAA Alberta beef, and uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be life changing for us all. <laughs> well, man, let's let's zoom over to the Disney Plus side of things just here for for a moment. There's a, a couple of things I want to round out. Obi Wan Kenobi. I know last week we said we weren't going to talk about the episodes kind of as they came out because of how it all works with episodes dropping on Wednesday and episode for this podcast is you come out Thursday. And we don't want to be rehashing things once you've already seen what's going on, but we cannot not talk about Darth Vader. We don't have to go through the episode. We don't have to go through the details. We will wrap this up eventually, but likely the most menacing take on Darth Vader outside of maybe that rogue one scene we experienced inside of Obi-Wan Kenobi episode three. I am actually quite shocked as to what they were able to do and intrigued as to what what happens next 
Darth Vader, was it an experience for you? Like, this is our first real look. Like I said, outside of that Rogue One scene of a Vader in his prime being extremely villainous. Like, you could argue, is he in his prime during the OT? I don't know. But here, he definitely is. Yeah, number one, I was surprised at how much of him they had yes. in the episode because you get that scene on Mustafar where he's coordinating the Inquisitors and whatnot. I was like, okay, that's cool, and that'll be about what we get of him and building for that climax of the series itself. But then when he shows up on that planet that they're on, and yeah, like just this is the first time that me as a bit more of a casual Star Wars fan and somebody who came to it... Um, honestly more so at the prequel era this is the first time that i've actually seen vader as this big malevolent unstoppable force like it's one thing to be plowing through the rebel guys with their 1970s blue shirts and the salad bowl heads in uh in rogue one but like this like terrorizing these civilians and playing this cat and mouse game with obi-wan but then just the level of hatred and violence that he inflicts upon Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh. And it just it just fit because I was like, oh, man, this is a bit much. But then it's like if you think about it, like Obi-Wan chopped off homie's limbs and left him just cooking in Mustafar. So, of course, he's been sitting there every night since then, like Padme and his kids aside and everything else. He's just been thinking of ways to torture this man. Yeah. And he kind of makes good on it in this episode. And it was brutal, but perfect. And uh, yeah, man, Darth Vader. This is the villain that everybody always said he was, but we never saw, question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> brought to screen. Well, a lot for, of Star Wars honestly, is like that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's this way because I know. Well, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. And. You know, when I look at the episode, I think, and I don't know what anyone else's reactions, I, I honestly saw a few things from the Vigilante boys, all very positive and all that. But I could see where people were like, well, why didn't he just finish Obi-Wan there? But much to your point about, well, he can't because of the <laughs> the other stuff. But but when I step back and look at it, the idea of this cat, he wants to torture Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he just let him go. He did what he needed to do at the start here. And sure, yeah, the, the fire blew up. Yeah, he probably could have walked through it or used the force to, to pull him in. But he he wants more. He wants to let him get a little better and then go at him again and defeat him, right? Like, there's this idea that I think Anakin, and maybe more specifically Darth Vader, wants to defeat Obi-Wan. But he wants to do it in a way and on his terms. And so, yeah, he could have cracked his neck. He could have done anything to him there. But he wants to torture this man, like you said. And I think it was cool the way that they they really portray that because that's another layer and more depth to Darth Vader, right? He's not a one-dimensional killing machine. There's a lot more behind that mask. And I think that's the importance of having Hayden there. And I'm curious as to what they're going to do with him. Now that fate, like this is a moment you would have expected towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's halfway through. So like what is like they there has to be more Vader. They can't that can't be the end of Vader. Like that can't be the oh, I haven't felt this presence since, like, like they can change that whenever they want. Like, that doesn't have to be their last, like, it's their last meeting, but when that last meeting happens can be any time. Mm-hmm. But surely there has to be another Vader-Obi-Wan encounter. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and I, 
I kind of like they said that he's going to be showing up in the Ahsoka show, which is cool. But they have their own history and relationship and baggage that they have to play through in there. But I kind of hope that we get, and I never wanted this before, but I hope we get a Darth Vader series that plays with a few things that starts to bridge the whole there's still good in you aspect mm. of Darth Vader. Because you watch that episode of <laughs> Obi-Wan and it's like, yeah, that guy, he is a lost cause, man. You need to take him. Yeah. <laughs> you need to take him out. But, you know, it, it, it's almost become a bridge too far. Like people are focused on all these things not uh, fitting with OT canon and blah, blah, blah. And I've talked about the dim view I take of canon a lot on here. But I do think we're getting to a point where we need to show Darth Vader have some character development and mm. growth and a bit of a softening. And they played with a bit of that in like the recent Charles Soule comic book series where he runs yeah. into one of the uh, decoys for Padme and they have a bit of an adventure and building on some of that to start that bridge to where Luke is able to talk him onto the side of righteousness in Return of the Jedi. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm more open to Darth Vader show than I ever was, but not for the same reasons that other people might be. It's like I could care less if he kills a single person in it. I want to see, like, the seeds of the redemption arc being planted in yeah, there. And there's, so there's a comic book. I can't remember who wrote it, if it was Soul or not, but where there's actually a fight between Anakin and Darth Vader. Yeah, something like that would be amazing. And it's so like it's it's all internal, but and in the comic book, spoilers, but in the comic book there is a, a time when Vader kills Anakin in that. And there's a whole thing like in the force and he he's uses the force and in these visions he has his limbs back, but the limbs are kind of odd colored and it's it's really cool how they portray it. And you could have a series where there's at times you don't know what the hell is happening because you've got Anakin Hayden Christian fighting Darth Vader himself. And it's just like mm -hmm. this internal struggle of the force internally where the light and the dark are battling it out. Like something like that would be really, and just have to be like, it could be very short, right? It can be a couple episodes. It can be, it doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing where, yeah, he's running around the universe, killing Jedi or, or chasing the rebellion. It could be a very intimate story. Yeah. Or just do like a 90 minute special on Disney plus yeah. with Hayden and a few extras or, um, a small movie or if you're doing something that's you don't know what's real and what's not hell bring our man todd phillips and he'll crush it yeah <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, yeah, maybe that joker strip and it, that, that joker script and its uh weird title was uh the the two the two personalities it's actually uh <laughs> the pilot for the darth vader anakin skywalker show oh man oh well there it is look I, I, we haven't talked about with toys in a little while, Carlos. Do you want do you want to go talk talk some toys? I'm always game for talking toys. All right. Well, maybe we'll 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 put a pin in the news in this week in nerd, and we'll head over to a segment we haven't done in a while, and that's our week in nerd. All right, man. Here it is. Our week in nerd. This is a segment that's become somewhat collapsible inside of the podcast because the hunt has. It's always real, but it's been very quiet for ourselves here. And 
what we're going to start this the segment off with this week is, is I want to just let's talk about some of these reveals. You know, we had lots of Star Wars reveals in the last couple of weeks and another HasLab from the Black Series coming out at Celebration. And so I want to start there. I want to start with some of these these Star Wars reveals and then potentially we'll get into some of the pickups and some of the uh, collecting existential crisis I'm having here personally right now <laughs> as to I don't know what, what I'm doing at the moment. But top, top thing. We, we talked about the HasLab, the first Black Series HasLab, Star Wars Black Series HasLab, a couple of months ago. And it was the Rancor. And I had really pushed for this thing. And I, re- I guess it was in December. And I really wanted to see it be successful because I felt that if it wasn't successful, they're going to have a hard time putting anything specifically in the figure space to, to the HasLab again. And they're going to sit on this for a while. Now, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of patience. They probably could have got that Rancor secured if they just wait for the Book of Boba Fett to come out. Yes. But they've done a little different this time with a little different product. So they have paired a HasLab, a Black Series HasLab, along with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I know it's not a Black Series figure. It is one of their, I guess, prop replicas, if you can call them that. And it's Riva's lightsaber. So the Inquisitor, big round lightsaber, double-bladed. It's this huge thing. I don't know if it spins. I don't know if he can fly with it. I'd hope so for the price tag of 500 us (laughs) dollars now i i struggle with this one and i've listened to a lot of people that you know i'm not saying the proper replicas that a lot of people collect but at that scale at that price i don't know because the project itself has 34 days left as we record it needs 5,000 backers and they're just over a fifth of the way through with 1,006 backers as we record for this 500 dollar Riva prop replica. I imagine it's quite large. It's got to be huge, and I'm sure it's detailed and intricate and and pretty cool. But I don't know. This feels like a a bit of a missed mark again for me on this Haslab. Yeah, the the lightsabers are tough for me because I I do dabble in the prop replica space, at least on the Batman side of things, and I do know that they can get expensive, especially like if you're doing things with uh, lineage and from legacy molds and whatnot that are cast from the original props or like I have a Captain America shield that the prop makers from the first Avengers movie or actually used the molds and they did the paint masters and all that kind of stuff on the shield. So that's cool. And I don't mind paying for a bit of that kind of stuff, but with the black series and the Hasbro replicas. I don't know that that stuff is there outside of using digital files. And then like with the lightsabers, like I, I got to play around with the dark saber um, mm. and yeah, it's cool and it's heavy, but there's just not a lot to it. And there's only so much detail that a lightsaber hilt is going to have, be it the dark saber or Reva's or, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi's. And it's it's a pretty hefty price tag for even those ones, let alone Rivas. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. And as far as display goes, I personally like just the hilts displayed myself. And then with yeah. liking just the hilts displayed, there are artisans that put out a higher quality product for a lesser price out there and prop makers and all that kind of stuff in the fan space. So yeah, this one, it's a 
bit of a miss for me just based on what the asking price typically is for this one and what they typically deliver for their prop replica, like the force effects lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. And the confusing part too is it's for me, it's really the price tag. Like I think half price and you're probably getting this funded maybe, mm-hmm. but like this is on the order of $150 more than the proton pack. Yeah. And I would say the proton pack itself is probably much more detailed and displayability and as a talking piece like if you're upwards in that price echelon i would think that it needs to be a pretty significant talking piece as yeah. well like it's a centerpiece of your collection you walk down and people go whoa and i just i'm not getting the wow factor like I'm, it's not nothing against reva or any or even the design or anything like that but it's just like a, you walk down and you see a proton pack you're like oh that is cool like let's talk about this that sitting up on a shelf you might look at it you're probably not asking the person about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, like with that proton pack, it's just, it's so big and substantial, yeah. right? Whereas with like the lightsaber hilts or even just lightsabers with the blades attached to them. Yeah. Like one or two. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. But they kind of just get lost in the sauce very quickly. Yeah. yeah. For me, at least. I say this as a guy who has a Witcher sword sitting in the room next to him, but <laughs> still, it only costs a third of what they're asking for that Riva lightsaber. So there is that. Yeah, yeah, crazy. It's gonna be interesting to see how this one rolls out because if if they have two failed Star Wars Haslabs, I, I I don't know how if that's a marketing thing, if that's a choice of of product. Like I don't know how they recover from this, considering things like the Proton Pack was substantially backed, and mm-hmm. all the Marvel ones have far exceeded all the different tiers and so i I don't know back to the drawing board like i want to see like and it's i guess star wars itself has been successful twice in the in the haslab i guess it's more the black series the larger scale stuff that that isn't landing um with both the razor crest and the back the barge or the barge itself being very successful and so it's not star wars problem it might be a scale problem might be a money problem might be just a choice in product that at that size so Let's see how it, how it lands. And, you know, the other thing, too, that was released at Celebration was a whole bunch of new looks at Black Series figures. Now, taking the cost of the Black Series out of the discussion, because we've talked about that, we detailed that, that's, that's, a, that's a big hurdle to jump over. But I have to say, both the main Black Series line and the archive that they're doing, pretty cool. I'd say all these Obi-Wan Kenobi figures, specifically the Inquisitors, they look good. All the Obi-Wan figures, the blue tunic one, the more Jedi looking one, these are all really good looking figures. When you look at the, the promo art, especially for those Inquis- like the detail is there. Like, yes, expensive, but man, like they've stepped it up another another level. And then the archive series itself, they've gone back and revisited some of the harder to find figures, but also the updates they've made to them with Han and lay in the bouch like whew, i it's i've really put a big big hard pause in black series but hasbro is making it difficult to ignore the product they're putting out right now yeah no those obi-wan kenobi figures looked great and like thank goodness my daughter is pretty <laughs> laser focused on what she wants as far as her collection goes and what she's happy with because um i i was even kind of hinting and poking and nudging her towards ordering a one or two of the different Obi-Wans and ordering the Vader that they're putting out. She was mm-hmm. just like, 
nope. So out of all those reveals, the only one that we ended up pre-ordering was she had to have the mall from Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. So, it looks good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, fine. I might be disappointed now, but my wallet will be happy later. So, yeah, yeah, it certainly will. It certainly will. So, look, I'm I, I'm gonna tease a little something here. It's it's nothing big, but I have not been collecting recently. I've not been out on the hunt. I've not been focused. I'm letting Legends pass me by. I'm letting Black Series pass me by. I haven't spent much time on the secondary market. And like I said, I'm having a bit of like a collecting existential crisis. Not that I don't want to collect, just I don't know where I want to take my collection. And the thing that really nucleated this was that we sold our house here. And in doing so, I've completely dismantled my nerd room. And so it is no more. You know, Carlos has seen the pictures and you can see behind me, it doesn't exist anymore. And if you notice in the live streams recently, guys, I've never, I've not had the collection behind me. And so I've taken this as an opportunity to, to really rethink, like everything's packed up. I, I sold some stuff, but not a lot, but rethink what direction I go on the other side of things. And so in the next couple of weeks, we'll figure out where we're going, figure out what the, uh, the next nerd room looks like, but I'm in a state of, uh, of evolution right now. You know, I look back on things like Jurassic Park and the turtles and the ghostbusters and i think that's really we're gonna pivot hard to i don't know what modern looks like for me on the other side of this carlos wow what can i say i'm the one that put you down that path of the retro collecting (laughs) i i can do nothing but endorse uh this course of action but yeah i get it and like you've you've kind of stoked those fires with me a little bit like with making the visits to Martha's basement. And there's a few things that I thought I had that it's like, Oh, well, I don't, I don't have these things. And a couple things that I do have where it's just like, oh, I got no love for this other than it, it kind of fit my curated collection at one point in time. So, uh, yeah, I get it. I, I totally understand the appeal of the kind of retro and vintage stuff. And you know, the, the modern products are awesome but they're always coming. There's always so many Mm -hmm. of them and there'll always be another one. Whereas that vintage stuff, like especially with some of those things that you play with, like the real Ghostbusters, even if they do do another Ghostbusters animated thing, it's not going to be that. No, No. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a point in time. And if I'm being completely honest with you, there's been times where like, if everything wasn't packed up, I don't know where my collection would be because I've like seriously thought of okay, do I just get rid of all my black series? Do like what do I like? Do I cut my Marvel Legends collection at the Infinity Saga, and only collect figures from the first couple phases, phase first three phases, and ditch anything point four? Like I, that, like that's how deep I've been going. I went from like I'm a completist in the Marvel Legends space for the MCU to being like maybe I only need the Infinity Saga figures. Um, well, if you look at that like Golden Thor figure that'll make the decision for you real fast. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it in hand. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh if somebody could explain how a human head fits in that helmet with the <laughs> eyes being where they are, let me know. <laughs> I don't know. So that, that's where I'm sitting with my collecting, but Carlos, we were almost at a time here, but because we haven't spent too much time talking about our, our collecting and all that, I want you to tell me something that you've picked up here, your favorite thing that you've got 
over the last couple of weeks because we haven't done the segment in a little while. So what like what's the one thing that sticks out in your mind? And then like we said, we'll we'll kind of reintroduce these segments back into the podcast over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I can't even remember when the last time we did this was and what the last thing I talked about on the show was. I think I talked about the Witcher sword I got for my birthday from my wife. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it arrived a few weeks late, but uh to be honest, I've been a little slow too, but I've got a couple of killer posters from Bottleneck Gallery mm. and one just arrived on my doorstep today and the other one ironically was on Friday, I think is when it showed up, but uh, they're baller, man. Like, one is a The Batman uh, variant poster from Phantom City Creative, a couple Toronto artists, and it's cool. It's a very neat image of Robert Pattinson's Batman, like the bust, but as the bust comes down, it kind of breaks into puzzle pieces. The puzzle pieces form a question mark, and it's got a the Riddler's image embedded in the puzzle pieces and then like a little tiny Selena Kyle perched upon the little crook in the question mark and and it's cool. And I was lucky enough to land the variant of it. So they did a red and black one, which was a timed edition. And I, I guess that would be kind of your Batman one. And they did one that was a green question mark on a kind of manila type color paper. So that would be your Riddler one. And the one I got is actually... Uh, black and gray scale on white and it would be your Catwoman one but uh i was lucky enough to land the theatrical teaser that they had put out and so that one being red and black i decided to do this one and then just today i had a michael keaton batman poster Mm. delivered from bottleneck gallery yeah and it was uh, a lady named and uh bambi i believe her name is and it was one of those things, and literally, so I kind of unfurl it, and I pull back the tissue paper that they have on there, and honestly, it's like the first time uh, in years. I pull that tissue paper back, and it's just kind of his face and the colors and the way she composed this thing, and I I, I just said, like, oh, wow. Like, it, mm-hmm. it took me aback a bit because it is just so gorgeous. And so, yeah, I, I fired off some picks to Tim because, uh, yeah, it defy, defies uh, definition just how well they pulled off the print job with the, this thing. So It's gorgeous. Like you said to me, I had the same reaction. I was like, whoa. Like, it's just the, the subtlety of the lines and the shot. Like, I, and I am only seeing a picture of it, right? And it looked friggin' unbelievable. But, man. Yeah, and it's one of those where they, they, like these posters, like you kind of get an idea of what you're getting in the JPEG and they usually show up and they're fairly close and sometimes there's some neat things with the print. But this, it was like the solicitation photo did not do any justice to this Mm. print. Yeah, so it was cool. Very cool, man. Well, you have, you guys go to Carlos's Twitter, you can... Every so often, he kind of rotates out all, all his posters and that and gives you kind of the scope, especially with the, the flavor of the month or the flavor of the quarter. With You get all the drastic stuff up right now. And yeah, um, it, it's great to see that that poster collection growing. And, of course, very fitting with the Batman talking about Michael Keaton and the success of DC. 
all comes full circle here, Carlos, with the discussion. And I think we're going to end it there. It's It's been a busy, busy week, a little bit longer one this week. But nonetheless, we are able to fit in everything from Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond, of course. And guys, if you'd like to uh, be a bigger part of this show, you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. The hunt is real, and it's going to kick back up at some point. You can find that over on Instagram. And of course, YouTube. Guys, head over there. We're putting stuff up every single week. We just put up another fig review from Ian. He did the Incredible Hulk, the 20th anniversary for the Marvel Legends. Awesome stuff. We got a live stream up there from a couple weeks ago, and we got some more stuff planned here. Once things calm down a little bit more, we get a little bit more consistent on the live streams again, of course, the Vigilante Boys, but there's going to be lots, lots to do, guys. Because as you can see from this week and last week, it's, it's just absolute chaos in the world of nerd, and we're here to break it down for you every single week. So, my man Carlos... With all that being said, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.